0: It's grace alone that saved you. Can you say, man, how many believe if you have a gift of the Spirit, it's because of the grace of God that was granted you. If you hadn't obtained mercy and grace in your life to become a child of God, you could never be sanctified, justified, qualified for God to live within you. Amen. The holiest ones of heaven have come to live and take up their abode in you and me. That's an incredible truth today. And there's nothing you could do to earn that. There's so much we can do to show our appreciation for that. Everything that comes from grace comes in gift form. Everything that grace provides comes as a free gift. If it doesn't come as a gift that you receive by faith, it isn't coming from the grace of God if you think you are holy enough to earn a spiritual gift you are wrong some of the most gifted men of the Bible the apostles worked miracles and when they worked miracles Peter saw how they were being looked at after the miracles occurred and said why look upon us Remember Peter and John, James and John at the gate beautiful and all those things that were occurring, the miracles at the hands of the apostles? Why look upon us by our power or by our holiness that this man has his perfect soundness before you all. Why put us in that place? We've got to be very cautious when God uses us. Not to get away from the grace and the gift that we have. And think somehow, I qualify... For this gift. But he doesn't. He qualifies for that gift. But she does not. Honey. Because we somehow have evolved or arrived at some spiritual plateau. Some spiritual place. Where we are head and shoulders above someone else. The people who did not minister grace. Receive grace. Find the sufficiency of grace. Because they were afraid that people would use grace as a cover up for sin and a lot of people do that but not people who are really saved people who really love god are not looking for a a way to sin and get away with it we're looking a way to get away from sin can you say man and let it have dominion in our life but that fear of preaching grace and the power of grace and the place of grace did you know the greatest failures and i've been preaching the gospel for 43 years in january And I've been around ministries and ministers and television ministers have come and gone. And the people who preached the hardest and preached the strongest about sanctification and holiness, many of them failed. Shipwrecked. And the ones that repented and recovered are now preaching grace. And some of them are being criticized for preaching grace. And if it wasn't for grace, they couldn't be restored. Everything that comes by the grace of God comes in gift form. And if I give you a gift... And then tell you how much it cost. Again, I want to requalify that statement. For a gift of $25, we will send you this little cross. I'm going to tell you the honest truth. You just bought a cross for $25. Because you can't associate gift with money. If you've got to buy it, you're paying for it. It does not qualify as a gift. It may be a little thing with how we... We talk about the funds that come in, you know, that this was a donation and we send this for the donation. We're really not selling anything. I don't know why. I just know it's a misrepresentation of a gift and we've got to be very careful about that. If God has let you see something, you know what Paul said? He said, if I have a reason to boast, he he said, if there's any reason to brag, boast, glory, I'm more. I'm a Jew of the Jews circumcised the eighth day according to the law. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And while we're talking about the law, I am blameless. I'm a member of the highest religious order that there is, the Sanhedrin. Amen. And yet the things that I once counted, see, when he encountered grace, (laughs) he couldn't use any of those qualifications for anything that he received from the Lord. None of them. (laughs) Hallelujah. <laughs> Not even his lineage as a Jew and a covenant with Abraham. Once grace through the cross came on the scene, Paul couldn't use it anymore. And he, and believe me, he counted these things gain because he said, if I have a reason to brag, here's the reason. And he enumerated them. I more. But he said, The things that I once counted gain, I now count as but dung. That I might win Christ. Because he realized it's gotta co- I can't keep the law perfectly. No one could. And without the grace of God, no one could be truly saved. But because of the grace of God, everyone who will receive the gift can be and will be saved. Can you say amen? Now, I, I put down something. Let, look at Romans 6 and verse 23 just for a few moments. For the wages of sin. Is death. For the wages of sin. you, you wouldn't think that's still applied today. But it does. The wages of sin. Is death. But the gift of God. Is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many are saved here today? You have received a gift. From God. And I don't know what's going to be under your tree or in your driveway. I know you're hoping for a new Mercedes. (laughs) Lexus will do. Poor man's Mercedes. Can you say amen? I've been praying something because I've discovered the place and power of grace that I wouldn't have prayed before. When God, even in the Old Testament, the grace that was present in the Old Testament, Noah found What? All the way that far back? It is not the kind and quality of grace that comes through Christ on the cross, but there was a gracious God wanting to forgive sin and save the lost, even in the Old Testament. And His covenant people... When they would do wrong, there was a grace if they would come back, offer the, the the prescribed sacrifices and show humility and repentance, God would receive them and God would restore them. And one of the things that I, 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 I was amazed at, that He didn't just want to, to forgive them, He wanted to restore the blessing on them. And said when He brought them back into the land, He restored their fortunes. Everything that sin and Satan had cost them, he restored to them. Well, it has got to be grace. Mercy and grace comes through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses, but mercy and grace came through Christ. And when I prayed for this family member that called me and said they wanted to be baptized and had to work, the devil's always working against people following through. But that doesn't make any difference. God has already got a hold of the heart. He's already got a hold of the reins of the heart. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And when a, somebody who's been so hard-hearted and hard-headed, a man calls uh, in, at 8.30 at night, God has been dealing with them. They were not in church. They were not watching Billy Graham on television. Holy Spirit is the hound of heaven and when we intercede he gets a hold of people he touches where we can't touch he squeezes where we can't squeeze Hallelujah! <laughs> he speaks loud where people won't even listen to anything we have to say and to have this person call me and say papa hallelujah me and my son have given that's my grandson by the way and it is my daughter-in-law we have given our heart to christ and we want to come to church (laughs) and publicly confess him and i thought you're already starting that part of it right now and we want to be baptized in water praise god hallelujah well they hadn't got here to be baptized in water but she was telling papa God has touched me, and God has changed my heart. God is changing my life. And you know what I prayed? Because I give them my wore-out truck. I would have given them a better truck, but it's the only truck I had to give them. And it was on lit. You've heard of last legs? I had I had a fuel pump put on it. And it's in the tank, so it's labor intensive, and 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 they told me when I put the fuel pump on, there needs to be at least five hundred dollars worth of work. The front end, you can take the tire and just go like that, and you need to get it done soon. Well, they've been driving it for two years because I've been interceding. Yeah. Uh-huh. Honestly, I've been praying. I said, Lord, this is their only mode of transportation, and they don't have AAA. And if the if you ever seen a car where the tie rod ends. Just let it go out like that You don't want that to happen Going 50 miles an hour Uh, You know And I just interceded and I said Lord Lord I just pray that since you've Restored that relationship with you And I know sin and Satan Has cost them many things But Lord restore their fortunes Restore their grace allows for the restoration of what sin and Satan has taken from people. You don't have to live out the rest of your life being punished. Hallelujah. I would have never prayed that until I understood the place and power and quality of grace. But I said, Lord, if you're saved by grace, you can restore by grace. Hallelujah. And their old truck, they told them, wasn't going to make it home. From where they had it diagnosed, said said I would be afraid to drive it home. I wouldn't drive over twenty miles an hour going home. That was two years ago, <laughs> and twenty thousand miles. Can you say, <laughs> man? But you know it's you got to do something sooner or later. And they, she, she lost hours at her work. My son had a multiple uh, many strokes that left him disabled. And so no money was coming in, and they had no money to get another vehicle. (laughs) And a relative drove a car from Missouri down here. It was a 1996 Toyota Avalon. It was their competitive car with Lexus and Mercedes. It has all leather interior. It has a sunroof. It's all power. The air conditioner blows cold air. It's got 140,000 miles on it. Went online to just see what people were saying about those old Toyota. And this is the V6. This is not even the four-cylinder. It's the V6. And I thought 140,000, a lot of miles. But I was reading a guy on there, and he said, I just rolled over 200,000 on mine, and I wouldn't sell it for anything. And I thought, what a blessing! If they could only afford it. For even the old ones were between fifteen hundred and and uh, thirty five hundred, depending on the condition and the mileage. They were able to buy it for four hundred bucks. It's a ninety six. It's twenty years old, but I guarantee, and the paint is. Great. If they pulled it up, it's got the spoiler on the back, got the sunroof, got leather interior. Leather's starting to show somewhere, but I'm showing a little too, but I'm not looking too bad this morning. Can you say, man, you're looking pretty good yourself? Hallelujah. God is good today. Just a little paint, a little touch up. I can't wear paint, but you know, little touch up. By the way, people wearing paint since I got joy, and you're here to enjoy my joy today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Standing in the circle K because now it 's time my wife 's trying to figure out what kind of cologne to get me, and I said, why don 't you get me some of that cologne that fella said I was wearing? She said, What? And I replayed the story to her. She remembers we were on our way somewhere, stopped at a circle k i 'm standing in line, and the guy behind me he 's a a a very handsome, tall black man young twenty six twenty seven years old looked like athletic build, but wearing way too much mascara. Okay, that just kind of, kind of you know, took away from everything else a little bit for me. I, nothing personal, just made me, you know. So anyway, he was right behind me, and I walked up to the counter, and the clerk at the counter, I had just put on my, my aftershave, you know, and it was still reeking, <laughs> evidently. You know, you put that stuff on, you can't smell it, but other people can It's kind of like, you know, not using underarm deodorant. Uh, You can't smell it, but other people can. But anyway, (laughs) the clerk said, the clerk said, what kind of cologne are you wearing? And I said, "I, I can't remember. And the guy behind me, he said, he's wearing some of that come and get me cologne. I looked out and saw Pamela sitting in the car. I, I felt like saying, Pamela, come and get me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, anyway, Brother Hobbs, you'll have to write that down with your other theological stuff. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I've done been got. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm spoken for. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm a flaming heterosexual It's okay, Brother Hobbs, just calm down. I used the S word and it just, I don't know what happened. He, he carnaled out for a little while. Anyway, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. What's that worth? You know, you can't appreciate that gift unless you understand the wages of sin, where you would be without that gift being provided and without that gift being received. You can never appreciate grace until you understand the judgment to come. That's why this death is not merely physical, temporal death of the body, but the eternal banishment and punishment of body... And soul. I'm going to make a biblical statement to you. And you can look it up if you choose to. Christians are not the only ones that are going to be resurrected. Everyone who has ever lived since Adam. Is going to be raised from the dead. Their spirit and their body is going to be reunited. There's a resurrection of the just, and a resurrection of the unjust. Death does not cancel our appointment with judgment. For it's appointed unto man once to die, physical death. And after that, that's the end of it? No. After that... The judgment. After that, the judgment. Listen carefully. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. John said, I saw the judgment of the unjust. He saw what is coming. He said, and I saw a great white throne. Revelation 20 and verse 11 through 15. And him that sat on it. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell, the grave, the netherworld, gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And when it says the wages of sin is death, it's talking about this second death, not physical death alone. Because there's no need for a hell to banish people to or to punish people in if physical death ends at all. There's no need for having a judgment for people that are not going anywhere. The Bible said they're going somewhere and they're going there eternally. And you can't appreciate the gift if we can't preach on this truth. And that's why there's so many people take it for granted and do not really... Listen, if I lost everything, including my life, and I had Christ, I win. On the back of many cars, the materialistic world will say, He who dies with the most toys wins. It doesn't matter how many things you possess and you acquire... Without knowing Jesus as your Savior when you die. You're headed somewhere forever. And death doesn't cancel that appointment. Physical death does not cancel that appointment. Back up to verse 6. Concerning those tribulation saints and reaching to us. Listen to what it said. The people that had given their life. That had been beheaded for the sake of the gospel. Blessed and holy is he that hath part. Revelation 20 and verse 6, just back up. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him for that thousand year reign upon the earth. If we suffer with him, we're going to reign with him. And blessed and holy is He that has... That word blessed means happy to be envied. Hallelujah. When the world finally discovers what we have, if we can have the joy of that gift restored, they ought to envy us because we know where we're going. When I draw my last breath here, I draw my next breath there. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And not just for a little while. And not just for the millennial reign. But forever and ever age without end. What a gift that we have in Jesus Christ. Can you say "Man, Hallelujah. Glory. Ephesians 2 8 and 9. Listen to it. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is. It is. It is. I want you to say gift of God just a little bit louder. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. No one that walks through that gate can boast. Paul said, If I, anybody had a reason to, I have more. <laughs> but everything I counted gain. All of my religious credentials and works, apart from grace, He said, I count them as but dung that I might win Christ. He discovered the sufficiency of grace. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. And he gave the credit. He actually said with all of those gifts of the Spirit and revelations from God, 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament is accredited to him. You know what he said? By the grace of God, I am what I am. I couldn't fast long enough or pray hard enough to qualify for what I have become and what God has called me to be. It's because of God's grace in my life. And that's what Peter said, Why look upon us as by our power or our holiness. Come on, holiness people. God honors holiness. He requires holiness. But you can't earn a grace gift by your holiness. You can live holy to say thank you for it. But you can't earn a gift by doing something to earn it. The way this works, a great monarch, true historic story when there were monarchs, kings that ruled uh, with absolute authority. And a great monarch somewhere in the Middle East, his wife was traveling in a carriage with a driver and two footmen. And it was slippery. And as they... Went down this narrow road by a ravine. It slid. Came loose from the six horses pulling that carriage. Four horses pulling the carriage. And the carriage tumbled into the ravine. Killed the driver and the two footmen. And she was badly hurt. Laying helpless. Half in, half out of the carriage at the bottom of the ravine. A farmer with an ox cart... Came down the road, saw the carriage, went down, bound up her wounds, took her to his home until she was able to get in the cart and ride with him to the palace. And she was delivered back to the king. She survived when she would have died from shock and from the loss of blood. And the king was so grateful, he called the man a week later into his royal chambers. And he gave him a ruby worth tens of thousands of dollars as a gift of appreciation. And the man was so overwhelmed because he didn't do this to earn something. He didn't do this to get points with the king or to get rich. He did it because he had a good heart. He had a heart of compassion. And he bowed before all the way down. And said, oh my king, this is too much for me to receive. And the king said, that may be, but it's not too much for me to give. And if he hadn't received it at that moment, it would have been an insult to the king. Do you see somebody kind of like that? Amen. They're tired. They're wore out. They're getting a glimpse of who Jesus really is. They've seen the miracles. They've heard His words. And He gets a basin. And He gets a towel. And He begins to wash the feet of the apostles. And what is the reaction to this giving of gracious love to them? (laughs) Amen. Lord, You shouldn't be washing my feet. I ought to be washing Your feet. And Jesus said, If... In other words, if you don't receive this grace gift, if you don't receive this gracious love, if you don't, receive, if you don't let me do this for you, you don't have any part in me. Can you say amen? amen? And when Peter finally got it, he said, Then not just my feet, but my hands and my head also. Just bathe me in your love. Bathe me in your grace. Bathe me in your mercy. I receive it. Hallelujah. Grace seems too much for us to receive. Because we didn't get to do anything to earn it, and the flesh can't glory in nothing. (laughs) Hallelujah. No man can boast. Because the only way you can get it is by gift. It is the gift of God. Lest any man should do what? What our flesh has a tendency to do. And that's boast. Apostle Paul was so reduced by grace to a place of such deep devotion He said, if I glory, I'm going to glory in the cross where this gift was brought to me and through whom it was brought to me. Whereby I am crucified unto this world. There's the holiness. Hallelujah. And the world is crucified unto me. It's the appreciation and appropriation of this gift that brings us into that life of holiness. Holiness don't earn you the gift. The gift stimulates holiness. The gift didn't sanctify the altar. The altar sanctified the gift. And when we offer our body a living sacrifice, holy, how did it get that holy that God would accept us? Because the altar, the altar sanctifies the gift. And when we give Him our heart, the cross is the only place we can pray that prayer of repentance. Spiritually speaking, it's at the foot of the cross that we all have to come. And when we come to the foot of the cross, there's no big shot, no little shot. There's no bond, no free, no rich, no poor, no male, no female, no Pentecostal, and no Baptist. No church of Christ and no Lutheran can you say, man. Come on, you can't, you can't pull your denominational tag out and shake it in God's face anymore. It's by grace you are saved. Not, not oh, come on, we need dogmas and we need doctrine and we need to keep the, the traditions that the apostles have handed down to us, but none of them, in them of themselves can save you. It's a gift. Receive by faith. And when you get it, you can't boast in it, but you can live a life to say thank you for it all the days of your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for the gift of God, our Lord Jesus. Can you say amen? Whose sacrificial death on the cross made it possible to escape the judgment to come and live forever forever. In the place he's prepared for you the place he's prepared for me praise God for by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourself it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast every time you hear gift I want you to say thank you Jesus see how's your thank you Jesus working just to see if you got it. I gotta hurry and finish, and if you'll thank you, Jesus, we'll 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 get this done. There you go. Listen to it carefully. Romans five, twelve through eighteen. Listen. Let's let the word speak a little while. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon this death I was telling you about, it passed upon all men. For all, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not, verse 15, as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ hath abounded to many, and not as it was by one man that sins, so is the gift for the offenses unto justification. For if by one man's sin, offense, one man's offense, death reign by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Are you beginning to get this? Hallelujah! Therefore, as the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift Woo! Somebody's about to get a hold of this before we leave here today. The what kind of gift? It ain't a gift if it ain't free. You contributed to it, don't call it a gift. Don't try to get right before you get saved. Get saved so you can get right. (laughs) The free gift came upon all men to justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Can you say amen to that today? Hallelujah. Paul Paul talked about where he wanted to be found. When God, when he drew his last breath, Listen to what he said in Philippians 3 and verse 9. And being found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law. You know what that means? That means if you're going to get your righteousness from all of the commandments kept, you better not break one. For he that defends in what? One point. Is guilty of the whole law. By the way, it gets real narrow too. Because you don't have to commit adultery. To break that. Jesus said it's a lot narrower than you think it is. If you think you can keep it, listen to Christ. To look upon a woman, to lust after her. It's not the same as the act, because your wife may not kill you if she don't know what you're thinking. (laughs) It's like the guy in the mall that saw the gal walk by that he couldn't take his eyes off. We, We got slacks today that just leave nothing to the imagination. And, and so he's standing there and she's looking at something in the shop window and he's standing there like an idiot because you're not, you know. And out of the corner of her eye she sees him watching her go by. And she puts her hands on her hips, looks up at him, and said, was it worth it? doghouse he's going to be in don't have a pool table in it like Snoopy's. Can you say amen? Amen. God said it's not just what you do alone. It's what you would do if you know that you could get away with it. I'm looking deeper. I'm looking deeper. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I try my best to live a good life, a pure life, a clean life, and I'm not afraid of holiness and sanctification. In fact, what brings the devotion is an appreciation for the free gift. Amen? The Gentiles were doing by nature that that's contained in the law. Isn't it amazing that the two commandments keep all of the ten commandments? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's not one of the ten that is unkept when those two laws are kept in our heart. Can you say man, Hallelujah. Saw so a man that preached for us years ago on Channel 22 about a month ago. Really, just a few weeks ago. And he was talking about that. He said, you know, everywhere you go you see the Ten Commandments. But we're really under the two commandments that keep the Ten Commandments. God hasn't taken away that law. But He's brought a way of keeping it that's different from just the demand and the threat of judgment if we don't. If you love God with all your heart, you're not going to have an idol and put something before Him. You don't have to worry about that. If you love your neighbor with all your heart, with the God kind of love, you're not going to steal from Him, you're not going to envy Him, you're not going to try to get His wife from Him. If a man loved me, he'll keep my commandments. And listen, they won't be grievous unto him. You won't be looking like you're living in some kind of religious box where you can't enjoy life anymore. And maybe the world might want what you got if it comes with joy. And it comes with peace. And it comes with power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I love the Lord today. Romans 4, 1 through 8, And what shall we say then? That Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Now, if you feel like you've earned something, you're doing it, you think people ought to respect your spirituality, you can do that before men. And maybe they will be impressed with you. But you can't do it before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Literally, a mathematical term, it was put to his account. This is what blows me away. This is what makes me want to shout and sing. We didn't... See, we've been told all our life we're just old sinners saved by grace. We are old sinners that were saved by grace, but we're not old sinners anymore. We are the sons and daughters of the living God. He did more than forgive your sin. He brought you into His royal family. And are you ready for this? I don't know if you're ready for this. Amen. The gift of righteousness means that He, Jesus, took our sin upon the cross. The Bible said, nailing it. When He was nailed to the cross. And you know what they did? When when someone was convicted of a sin, they took a list of, of the things that they convicted them of and they nailed it to the doorpost of the place where they were tried. And said, you want to know why this person's being beaten? You want to know why they're being incarcerated? You want to know why they're being crucified or killed? Read the list. It's nailed up right here against them. The Bible said our sins, when He was nailed to the cross, our sins were nailed there too. But it wasn't to convict us. It was to forgive us. He took it on Himself. And He gave us His innocence. If you don't have His innocence, you don't have the gift of righteousness. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. But said He's the firstborn of many brethren. And how do you know we're brethren? Because now, everybody say Now rat now we are the what oh sinners saved by grace no we're the sons of God hallelujah and if sons of God then heirs of God and if heirs of God then joint heirs with Jesus what does it mean Jesus said everything the father has is mine when the Holy Spirit comes he's going to take of mine and communicate it to you he wore my filthy robe to the cross he, wore my, he didn't sin but he wore my sins my filthy robe remember when Joshua came to intercede for Israel he wanted to represent the fact that God already knew how sinful they had become and intercede for God's mercy and he wore the dirtiest clothes he could find he wore a filthy robe and he came to intercede in the temple for Israel. Joshua, the high priest, came to intercede for Israel. And he wore that filthy robe to represent the fact that we have sinned. And we, we're sorry for our sin. And God, in mercy, responding to repentance, said, "Bring." Oh, by the way... Long as he had that filthy robe on, there was somebody standing there to condemn him. It said, and Satan was at his right hand to condemn him. Can you say, look at him? Look at him. Look at him. He has no right to be here. You shouldn't even be listening to him. You shouldn't let him near your presence. You shouldn't touch him with a twenty foot pole. Can you say man? And you know how God resolved that issue? So he could intercede? He said, bring him hither a change of raiment. And you say, glory to God. Hallelujah. Lay down that filthy robe because we got one fresh from the cleaners. Ain't got no spots on it. Ain't got no sweat stains. Amen. Ain't got no sin stains. Bring Him a change of raiment. I want you to know something. The robe of righteousness is a gift that God gave to you when you received Jesus as His Savior. It's not the personal practical that you live out in your life. It's the positional that brought you into His family immediately. It's the wedding garment i got to stop. Say, somebody stop him. Thank you for not saying that. Hallelujah. God is so good today. It makes me want to shout. It makes me want to sing. It makes me want to preach to the world. You can be saved. You can be delivered. You can be set free. And when you are, sin won't reign anymore. Because God will come in. Christ will come in. And the Holy Spirit will come in. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Verse 3 of Romans 4 says, For what saith the Scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed him, counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputeth righteousness without words. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And that's me and you today. All of your past doesn't mean sin now doesn't count. It means all of your past is past. It's gone. Our sins were nailed to the cross. Hallelujah. And that's why Jesus said to the church in general, one of the churches, but to all the churches for all time in the book of Revelation, I will give you a white stone with a new name that no man knoweth written on it. A white stone. They knew exactly what he meant because in courts of law, where justice was being dispensed, the judge held a black stone and a white stone. And if you were condemned, he put the black stone forward. And you had the punishment prescribed for the sin. But if he put the white stone forward, it meant you have been acquitted. You are not guilty before this court. And you are free to go. And who the son sets free? He's free indeed. And that's why he's going to give you a what kind of stone? He said, I'll give you a, to him that overcometh. I'm going to give him a white stone. Can you say, man, with a name written that nobody knows but he that received the stone? I don't believe it's just your new name, although it may be on there too. I believe it is a revelation because a name represented a character of a person in those days. I believe it's a revelation of Jesus that is absolutely perfect, mind-boggling, and mind-blowing. Hallelujah. 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 I know one thing. If I got what I deserved, I'd get the black stone. Because I couldn't go back and relive my life perfectly. But grace is unmerited favor. Mercy. You don't get what you do deserve. And that's judgment. Grace. You do get what you don't deserve. If you didn't get His innocence, you don't have the gift of righteousness. God could not allow you into His presence, but not only can allow you behind the curtain in His presence, He counts your body now and your spirit within you as holy as heaven. For so when you get saved, does not God come to live in you? Does not Christ... What is Jesus living in us? What does that mean? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory to live with God forever in the place He's prepared because Christ can live in us. I'm going to tell you something. Heaven is only holy because of Christ. Gold don't make it holy. Pearly gates don't make it holy. Even the absence of sin don't make it as holy as the presence of God makes it. Hallelujah. And this God who inhabits eternity has loved you enough to give you a grace gift when He gave you Christ and when He gave His life. Hallelujah. 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 That's why the Bible said, the high priest we have knows how to help you. He knows the weaknesses of your flesh. He will never condone wrong, but He understands you and He understands me. Hallelujah. And because He suffered being tempted, He's able to succor them that are tempted. Hallelujah. He's able to give help to us and aid to us. He knows just what to do. Therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Hallelujah. It's the only way you can approach God, but thank God it's a way to approach God. That He will welcome you in His presence. That you might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Can you say amen? Oh, don't come before a grace throne with your tail tucked between your legs. Amen. If you got sin, get it under the blood. Confess it and get it forgiven. Tell the devil to take a hike. Because if you get a transaction done with God, who shall lay anything? Through the charge of God's elect. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Yea rather is risen from the dead. Can you say man, for our justification? Yeah. Woo! Hallelujah. And when God's people come boldly before the throne of grace. What are they guaranteed to receive? Mercy. Mercy. Yeah. Providing grace to help. And then whatsoever you desire when you pray believe. Because you know. That the devil can 't accuse you, your conscience can't can 't convict you because your sins are forgiven. Listen if there's sin, get re, get before God, get down on your face, get down on your knees. If we say we have no sin, we lie, but if we confess our sin, he 's faithful and he 's justified because of what Jesus did in forgiving us doesn 't mean that he is sweeping it under the rug. It means that He has nailed it to the cross. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And through the veil of His own flesh nailed to the cross, we're able to enter into the holy place and we're able to become a holy place so that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit can live in you and me. The Bible said they would make their abode not a Motel 6 where you check in at 6 o'clock and check out by 10. A boat is not where you spend the night. It's not that place in the mountains. with. The... Did you all ever go to anywhere in Colorado? where you... Did you go skiing somewhere? Skiing? Colorado? They're chalets, aren't they? You can rent a chalet somewhere. I know you all stayed in a tent out in the snow, but anyway. Had to play for the plane ticket. can you... <laughs> Rent the skis. <laughs> it's cold out there, wasn't it? But if you're skiing, you you don't. But that's not where you live Is Colorado, right? I know you'd like to retire there, but just forget about it. Anyway, moving right along. Florida's home. When it said make our abode, it means somewhere where God can live and feel at home can the creator of heaven and earth everything in it sanctify you so completely through the blood of his son that he can live in you and come and make his abode in you that's why see that's another incentive for living a holy life because the holy one has come to live within us hallelujah 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 you can't get holy enough for him to come live in you Unless it's by the gift of God. Unless it's the gift of righteousness, yours will never qualify. But you can live a righteous life in gratitude for the unspeakable gift that He's... Who am I that God could live in? Die for so He could live within me. Who are you? Who are you? Who do you think you are? You really think you're that good, that holy, that clean without the gift of righteousness? Jesus said a man's got a wedding. He invites a lot of people. He invited actually the Jew first. And they rejected it. He turned and invited the Gentile. He said, whosoever will, let him come. But i got to make them a priority. But if they say no, tell everybody else, come on. And he invited everybody to a wedding for his son. There's going to be a wedding for the son when we get to heaven. Can you say man? And there was a man walked up, invited to the wedding. But he wasn't qualified to be at that place. And he looked at him, the master of the house and the master of the wedding, said, how comest thou here without a wedding garment? I looked into that in the Jewish custom. They invited some people that didn't have the means to buy a garment that was fit for the big wedding they were putting on. If you want me to be your best man, and i got to have a tuxedo, Daddy, buy me the tux. I'll wear it. Believe me, I won't wear my jeans and my tennis shoes and my sweats I'll put the tux on and wear it. If you, you provide the tux, I'll wear it. Who provides the dresses for these in these big weddings, these gowns that these bridesmaids are wearing? Do they have to buy it? No. They can if they want to, but they don't have. They could say, listen, you got to do that. I don't have the money to buy a gown that costs $500 so I can compliment your $1,500 wedding dress. You know what the custom was in that day? The Father sent the wedding garments with the invitation. So, you, it sounds bad. How comest thou here not wearing the wedding garment? In other words, you can't come here in your own righteousness. You can't come here in your own holiness. You've got to come here with a robe that he provides. It's called the robe of righteousness. And if you don't come with the robe he provides, you can't come at all. Can you say, man, who are these coming out of every kindred, tongue, and nation? These are they who washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Figuratively speaking, they washed their robe. Literally, there was an exchange of their robe that He wore to the cross for His robe that had never sinned. And we get to put on that robe, and believe me, the Father is not going to say you're not qualified to come here. No, you're highly qualified because you're wearing the robe I sent you. Can you say man, with the invitation? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The root of everything is what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. The story of the manger leads directly to the cross. God's mercy and grace were given to us as the gift of God. Ephesians 4, 7 and 8 in closing, really closing. But to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you another chance. We're still doing that. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high... He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Can you say "Man, Glory be to... How many are thankful for the unspeakable gift that we have in Jesus today? Well, if you are, if you are, how did David express thanks? Everybody say with overflowing joy. Now, not only, you know, white men can't jump... Well, short ones like me can't. Larry Bird can, amen. But most of us don't have the rhythm. Can you clue these in, what rhythm means? In Jamaican, the rhythm. I can't hardly walk and chew gum. I When I danced on the dance floor back before I got saved, I had to get kind of, kind of a, you know, kind of a, uh, what is it? T-Mini Martoonies? I, I thought I could dance But I looked so stupid My wife said <laughs> Amen <laughs> But I cut the rug And I'm going to tell you something We praise him with the with the voices We praise him with the clapping of the hands And we praise him in the dance And David when the ark came back He said God is for us God is with us. When we pray toward the temple with the ark in its proper place, God is going to bless us. He's going to vanquish our enemies. We're going to live in victory. And He couldn't contain the joy. Now, you might not be able to dance like David, but you can have overflowing joy. Can you say "Man, Hallelujah. So let's sing about it before we go home today.